Welcome to the Wetmon Podcast. Good river time of the day it is. I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Will. Today I'm going to talk to you about Burgundy. And we're also going to talk about what happens when you die with an erection. But first, Maddox with the sponsors. The Wetmon Podcast is brought to you by Veer Wine Project. Galactic Rentals. Impressive. Most impressive. Alt Energy Solar Solutions. And now for the show. Oh, I should get a wine opener. Yeah, get a wine opener. Get things going. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay. Are those actually... Are you recording? Yeah, we're recording. Joji's Tome. What? What's Joji's Tome? I don't know. I'm trying to read the cards from over there. Sponsors? You have sponsors? Like Uncle Fucker's Chuckle Hut? What? Uncle Fucker's Chuckle Hut? Oh, these are fun. Who are these? <laughs> my wife's home alone watching Predator. My wife. Not to catch Predator, just Predator. I took a, so yesterday, took Jacqueline to the airport, sent her off to Bolivia, and, uh. She's going to fade away in Bolivia? She got there. She's in Colombia right now, she said. So now I've survived one day of being by myself. Barely. This is like a Doctors Without Borders thing. Yeah, it's a it's like a Spanish That's glass. Drug smuggling. I don't know what she's doing. I mean, you know where we live, right? I mean, oh, she, yeah. she could have learned Spanish here. I might have to <laughs> take a scrap at some point. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. Uh, are we recording? Are we started? We're we're oh we're, we're sorry. Fine. Okay, we're going. All right, so. Uh, I brought a wine today. Welcome to the Wet Mun Podcast. Here we go. Uh, Will, you brought a wine. Talk to us. Uh, okay, I'm just going to pour it and then... Uh... This is a red wine? This is a red wine. He had asked me what the... Ooh, whoa. <laughs> what does that smell like? It's a bit, yeah. um, so he asked me sometime this week what's like the most... Expensive, important wine. Yes, I did. And um, there's plenty of opinions on that, obviously. Um, but so I brought um, Burgundy, red Burgundy. Um, it's a region in France. Um, the Burgundians. The Burgundians. So uh, Burgundy, the wines are made out of, red Burgundy is made out of Pinot Noir, typically. Um, so I went over to the, the local wine shop and my guy, Bob, Bob Tate hooked me up. I said, I need a, I need a Burgundy. Um, and so he said, oh, this is a good one. It's a good producer. Um, so I grabbed it. Um, kind of interesting thing about Burgundy, it's a, it's a really small region in France, um, kind of long and narrow. Um, it's about 31 miles long, I think. Um, wow. But some of these wines are the most expensive wines in the world. Why, what, what would that, why is that, Well. Uh, it has to do with... Can I start drinking? I'm drinking. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. I need to rinse out the Red Bull rum. I'll just add. I'm, <laughs> I don't, just go, I'm going in. Just go in. Um, so, yeah, Burgundy is, is, is some of the most expensive wines in the world. Um, this bottle, obviously, is not, because I bought it. This is fucking beautiful color. Yeah, so the Pinot Noir, you've probably had Pinot Noir before from Oregon. It's yes. kind of that light, lighter color. Yeah, this is the one of the most beautiful wines. We should we should probably take pictures of um, take a picture of this so we can put it on the on the Twitter. On the Twitter. We should start doing that. Both of them. Oh yeah. Sweet. Um so but so in Burgundy, there's a really limited number of vines. Um, I don't know how many acres it is exactly, but the the wines are classified it, it kind of in four general ways. Um, it's basically a hierarchy of quality. Um, so this is a is a it's like a general Appalachian wine. So the grapes could come from anywhere in this this region. Um, unclassified vineyards and and growths as they call them. Um, the next step up would be like a village wine, so wine that's made in one specific village, mm-hmm. um, and and then you get up to the 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 premier crews and the grand crews. Oh, I've heard of that. 
Yeah, so, per, so uh, a group came together and they basically decided which vineyards and vines or, and sites qualified for this Grand Crew or Premier Crew. What is, do you know the criteria for that? It was basically um, uh, quality, the production. So the quality of the, the wines produced in those areas. And so Pinot Noir, um, it's kind of an interesting grape because it's, what makes it really interesting is it's it's kind of light. Um, it's not super in your face. It's got more finesse, but it can it expresses where it's grown really well. Um, it's kind of finicky, so hmm. that's why the French have the terroir. It's the the climate, the soil, the the aspect to the sun, the culture. It's a whole thing. So the so the terroir is very expressive in in Pinot Noirs or uh, red Burgundies. Uh, microclimates. Well, I think you need to drop some microclimate. Microclimates. Terminology in there. Okay, so to back up, can I ask you some questions sure. on this? So you mentioned uh, initially that you have um, what was the first tier of wine you talked about, or the first tier of it's um, growing or whatever. It's what do they call it. It's basically like a Burgoyne. It's the region, right? Of the region. So it's a regional wine or so a, anything that comes from that area. It, it it probably has to fall under certain definitions, like what grapes it can be made of. I don't, I, you know, people that really know Burgundy are be like, this is terrible because he doesn't know what he's talking about. But it's, you know, general region, regional wine. Yeah, but no, go, I, I was more specifically, what about the um, the ranking of wines? You go from Grand Cru to... Oh, yeah, to, okay. So the, the, the top, it's um, Grand Cru and, oh, hey, Marley. And about one percent, one percent of of all the all the wines are considered Grand Cru. Okay. So it's a really small, and these are like you know triple digit wines. Um, and then, and then it goes the Premier Crew. Has, so hold on, Grand Cru because because that's the perfect climate, the perfect. It's just they they were they were the the sites that got kind of picked, okay. and they typically have you know really good microclimates and really expressive gotcha. and. There's only there's only thirty three Grand Crews in the whole, the whole region. Universe. Oh, well, yeah, in the whole universe too, I guess. Um, and then what's the tier below that? Premier Crew, and about ten percent of the wines are Premier Crew. Okay. So I mean, for the most part, you're going to be drinking when you're drinking Burgundy, you're going to be drinking this kind of style, um, or the the Village, which is a step up, and those will maybe start at like, you know, thirty bucks, something like that. So does that go? Is that only for? This type of wine, or is that for this type of grape? For this type of grape, Um, for this region and um, this grape especially, they have all these rankings. Um, It's the the plots of land are stupid expensive there. I think it's the most expensive vineyard real estate you can buy. Um, Be awesome to go visit. I mean, it's kind of where. Do you know where this is off the top of your head? Like on the in France? Yeah, it's like the eastern eastern side, not quite on the very edge, but. It runs nor, it basically runs like yeah, and it runs basically is, north to south. Would this be where it's like oh it's the it's, Loire Valley is by any chance? No. Um it's it's uh a little bit southeast of Paris. Okay. So when I we went on a wine tour with my dad when we were over there and we went I mean we stopped at some to me it was just a fucking field of grapes and everybody rushed and they're like, This is where this is such and such wine is produced here and people were freaking the fuck out like you know yeah people really nerd out on this stuff yeah it was crazy Um, awesome so so uh it's very mild yeah as a a fan of like bold flavors i have to ask do you have any cough drops i can float in this or (laughs) something strengthen it up um no well yeah actually we do have some holes in the bathroom but so so like kind of the big debate or not the big debate, but people that love Bordeaux wines, Bordeaux France, and people that love Burgundy wines, they're like a very different wine drinker. Bordeaux's are made of that Cab Merlot, big and kind of bold in your face, have lots of tannin. Um, this is really like being, big. Being brushed across the face with a silk scarf. And yeah, this I, is it's, when it's, I like it's, drink. It's, and, yeah, it's more sensual. When I drink and eat, I like to be hit in the face with a wet sleeping bag. So I like to I like to feel it and know. This is very mild, I would agree. But it doesn't have like a, it's perfumed. It's got lots of fragrance. It's, um, I mean, it's. It does have a big smell. It, it's, you know, it's captivating in a way. Like, what is that? 
Yeah, what oh, a certain what, je ne sais quoi. What are, we, what are we tasting here? You're tasting the terroir. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, there's people that... Re- the reason these wines are so expensive, it's, 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 a, it's a very limited production, mm-hmm. and all these sites are each, like each crew or each growth or each vineyard, they all have these little microclimates and have these different... Um, they all taste different, even though they're in this really small region. Which is um, great. So people nerd out on it, and they're yeah. like, "I want to get, yeah. I want to get the vineyard, sure. this one from this one." And um, this, this is one of the better. I think this is one of maybe the best wine we've drank in what four podcasts. Four podcasts. This, this is my favorite. So what? So read the name of. Tell us the name of that wine. Uh, people want to go get it. It's Cote de Nuit. It's a Burgoyne 2013. So it's um. So basically, if you're gonna be buying like burgundies um, and you're not getting premier cruise or grand cruise um, if you go into a wine shop and say i want to get a burgundy and usually the person there is gonna be like well okay i know this producer does makes good wine mm-hmm. or produces good wine so he, the the guy at the shop said this guy frederick s Moni, or whatever he's the producer um, he said he makes he produces good wine because they're pulling from all these different vineyards and um it's not like one specific vineyard this this is this is from France. It's from France. Yeah, it's from Burgundy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So you, you you pick it by a producer. So you ask you ask the wine shop like, okay, who's a good producer for this kind of your a good Burgundy, and they'll have their favorite and like, oh, this is a good one. That's awesome. What else What else do we need to know about uh, the Burgundy region? Oh, there's so much. Or I don't I don't wine. even I don't even know. I need to learn so much about it. Um, but so the the big kind of. Um, the, the really fa- famous one, the, it's a Grand Cru. It's like mm-hmm. Romani Conti. Mm-hmm. Those bottles are, you know, sell at auction for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Okay, so stop there. So what? say one more time the name of that. Uh, it's Romani Conti. Romani Conti. Okay, and that's one of the... So it's why, one of the Grand why does it sell, why does it Why does it sell for thousands of dollars? I don't know. It's, it's really good. It's rare. It's rare. It's there's not for me. There's maybe like... You know, it's a very small production. Um, a lot of times the farmers are the ones that are like, they, they make the, the, do all the work in the vineyard and then go into the winery and, and do all the wine work too. It's it's a very, it's a cool model. It's not, it's very old world. Yeah. That's kind of how it's been yeah, done yeah. forever. So they're fucking doing it on their farms. That this is Yeah, like yeah. A, a lot of them are doing it on their farms. Not, they don't have those crazy machines that you have. I mean, they might have small ones, but yeah. That's awesome. So this is just a, a Pinot Noir that's grown in Burgundy, France. That's it. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So in France, they don't call it by the, the name of the grape; they call it by the region that right. it comes from. Exactly. Awesome quiz. What's uh, the, what's white Burgundy? White Burgundy. Nobody knows that Burgundy you left out in the sun. Chardonnay. Chard. Chardonnay. But there's a there's a speaking of expensive wines, there's a winery in California in Napa. Mm-hmm. It's called Screaming Eagle, and. One of their wines sold in auction for half a million dollars. What? Okay. <laughs> why? Do we know why? I don't know why. I mean, it's just it's it's a cult. It's like a cult, sure. you know. Yeah. Why does they make like six hundred cases right. a year, and that's all they make, and it's uh, from a tiny vineyard in Napa. That's fantastic. So I think it retails at three thousand dollars when it's released, a bottle. It's a status symbol. Nothing is half a million dollars good. The, the, the state of diminishing returns on that must be amazing. What if you could sell it later, though? Oh, it's, I mean, it's investment, sure. I mean, that's a lot of these these wines are like, I don't know, I don't know how it works, but people will buy a lot of wine. If I, if I had that, if I had that kind of money to do that, I would like record it, record record me like feeding it to a pig, like. <laughs> like Fuck you! I'm so rich. I can do this. This is so grotesque. You wouldn't like feed a small African village for a year. Well, I th- do that first. Yeah, sure. I do that first, and then I would just. But it, I mean, I guess what I'm pointing out is the pretentiousness of like buying that fucking wine. All right, so hold on, uh, real quick. Something we need to start. Oh, doing. oh, I brought, yeah. I brought some cheese. Oh, what kind of che- that cheese looks amazing. 
Um, it's uh, it's it's kind of like a light gouda. It's not it's not smoked gouda, so it's actually really nice with this cheese. It really looks. It's very, supposed to be good with this yeah, wine. It looks very gouda. Yeah, give me a little, give me a little nub. Thank you. So, how did you know it's supposed to pair with this wine? Just because you know wines and cheese. I don't know. I'm great, but it's not. It's kind of a milder gouda. Why is your cheese knife a push dagger from a biker bar? Why isn't yours? <laughs> Right. Um, and Pinot Noirs are kind of softer and they don't need to compete with kind of strong cheeses. Um, okay, why Huckabay is cutting, his, cutting the cheese. Um, so something we need to start doing is I just told Will to take a picture of this wine and he's gonna we're going to post it to our Twitter handle, which is what, Will? Uh, Wetmon Podcast. Wetmon Podcast yeah. on Twitter. Look us up, follow us. There'll be... Pictures of wine, and then um, we'll post a kind of a brief little synopsis what you're, what you um, might want to drink as far as Burgundy, and then I don't know, maybe what to when to drink it, what to drink it with. But you don't believe in that stuff, do you? you just drink wine with what you want when you want, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there, unless you want to do a classic pairing, then look up what a classic pairing is and do that. Um, but if you just want to enjoy what you enjoy, then buy food that you like and. Drink wine that you like, you know. Some people will argue that, oh, no, you could ruin the wine or the wine won't taste as good or whatever. If you like it, do it. Are you married to the wet mun name? Uh, you realize it sounds like something that might infest the groin of a homeless man, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's... <laughs> right. Isn't that... Uh, have you, have describes you, us? Have you spent much time with us? Oh, should we introduce who's hanging out with us right now, or do you want to... Yeah, real, so real quick, um, if you have questions about wine, or any questions at all, um, please hit us up at either on Twitter or our Gmail. So, uh, at wet, on Twitter, at wetmun, you can reach us, and you can post hate mail, you can look at uh, our kind of pictures and what's going on with our wine stuff and other things we're going to be posting. If you have more specific questions about wine or anything else, you can hit us up at wetmunpodcast at gmail.com. That's W-E-T-M-U-N-N podcast at gmail.com. And please, please, please send us your hate mail. Yeah. All right. Will, who, who's with us? Who's at this table with us? So we have a, a gentleman named Christopher. Nobody calls him Christopher. Christopher Hammond. Huckabay. Wow. That's right. And he's a dear friend of John from high school, middle school, kindergarten? Uh, high school, mostly. Actually, we didn't start becoming good friends so really post-high school because Huckabay's a fucking nerd <laughs> in high school. Uh, what, Huckabay, what was your... Nerds what, are cool. I wasn't even a nerd. Yeah, you were a <laughs> sub-nerd. Uh, Huckabay, what, what car did you drive in high school? I drove a construction yellow 1974 Ford Maverick. Ford Maverick. But it was okay because it sort of looked like a Camaro. <laughs> sort of, kind of? Sort of, kind of looked like a Camaro. Awesome. Get a lot of chicks? I did not. I, I mean, girls used to write love notes on the car in high school with lipstick, ironically. Oh. Just like, isn't this funny that we would write this on his car? No, I don't know. I, maybe maybe they were into you. One of my, one of my favorite Huckabee memories is, so we went to junior high and high school together. We went to different elementary schools, but... They're um, Nampa. Nampa. We're from Nampa. He, you went to Lincoln, correct? Lincoln, Lincoln, Huckabee went to Lincoln Elementary. I went to Centennial Elementary. But we went to West Middle School. And in the yearbook, there's this awesome, like, three-quarter. It's on one whole size. It's probably like a five-by-seven picture of Huckabee in the middle of these two kids who are obviously, like, playing keep away with his backpack. And the backpack's like caught in midair, and he's like reaching his hands up to try to grab it. Uh, and he just has this like look on his face, like, oh my God, quit fucking with me. I hate my life. <laughs> and these two kids are just bullying the shit out of him, just smiling in glee. And then the caption at the bottom of the picture was like, Huckabee and friends play catch with a backpack. Chris Huckabee and friends play catch with a backpack. That photograph is a moment in time. And if you didn't tell everyone what that really was, no one would ever know that I wasn't bullying one of the other boys. That's, that's, that's you, you're, that's stop ruining it. <laughs> I'm going to dig up that yearbook and post it on Twitter. 
and, and say, please describe what's happening in this picture. <laughs> not that good. Not that good of a picture. Uh, so I, Chris is uh, a legend, and we're probably gonna have a multiple podcast. But um, for the first thing I want to ask you, one of my there's so many things I want to talk about, but um, Chris, uh, briefly tell us uh, how your parents met. Oh, um, the story of how your parents met. My your dad, Frank Huckabee, is is dead. He did pass and he years was, ago. He's a terrible man, right? He was a scoundrel. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. how do they meet? Your um, mo- my your mother. Mom's, your mom's a fucking saint. Thank you. Uh, my mother was on a date with another man in the Frontier Cinema in downtown Napa. This is the story I, as I understand it. And my father was a couple blocks away downtown in a bar getting in a fight. And he got the best of the other gentlemen. Uh, was it? You said it was it his bar? No, it's not his bar. Oh, it was, it was, just, it was just bar. some bar. It was gotcha. Some okay. bar. And uh, he uh, beat the tar out of the guy and lost a couple teeth. And the guy, that guy lost a couple teeth. And so naturally, the local constable was notified. And so while he was fleeing uh, the police, he ducked inside the theater, and drunk, and you know, straight out of a fight. And he sat behind uh, my mother and her blind date and just started, like, hitting on her, like, rudely, loudly during the movie. Oh, my God. And she wasn't particularly into the guy she was with, and so she started being receptive to the loud drunk behind her in the in the back row. And wow. And he got her number. And, and she's a saint, you say. Yeah, because his mom's... Fucking awesome. This I mean, this speaks. I, the man who shall remain nameless, who was speaks so poorly of him, that he was completely unable to like fend this off. This is sort of the situation where you like hope for that you look like a hero and you get to like punch the bully, you kick sand in your face, not lose or your, stole your backpack, right? Not lose your date to him. Uh, but did so, you know who this? this we, you know, no, idea, oh, okay, no, idea that, no idea who that nameless man is. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So he got a number and called him the next day, and they he, got married. Did he get laid? Uh, I don't think either man got laid that, that night. night. Oh. No. Well, okay. Anyways, that I fucking love that story. That's mm-hmm. one of uh, it's one of many amazing Huck Bay stories. Um, not that good. It's great. Wait. So uh, also, you're so you're you just turned thirty nine years old. I actually I know I just had a birthday, but I didn't. I don't keep track of that anymore no. because it's like incredibly so you're one depressing. Of, you're one of those people. Uh, no, it's not. It's exciting. It's great. Yeah. Like, I think the last time I paid attention, I was 25 and I could rent a car. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, deal. that's it. Yeah. Eight, 18, you can buy porn and cigarettes. Can't you, can't you run for president when you're a certain age, too? Isn't it like 35? In Utah. Maybe 35 run for president. Is it 45? It's 35. It's 35. It's 35. Yeah. Yeah. 18. I'm waiting for that one. 21. Booze. You're not 35 yet? No. He hasn't mellowed out yet. Men mellow out at 35. Oh, God. Hope not. You'll be a I'm 30. Sh- you'll be 30. a shadow of what you are now. I think I'm behind that curve. Um, yeah. I don't, you mean, well, Huckabee, can you tell us what you do for a living um, real quick? I am a funeral ambassador slash funeral assistant, and I'm, I work at a local funeral home, and I am the head of the removal staff there. And what that basically means is whenever anyone passes away out in the world and that can just be at a a nursing home facility or a hospital or in their own home or anywhere like railroad tracks or a lake Um, after if it's an unattended death in other words not the facility the coroner shows up and they do their investigation is that CSI uh, no not necessarily CSI is CSI and the coroner is the coroner Uh, (laughs) the coroner is an elected position by county oh it's like sheriff yeah it's like sheriff Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you have to? Can I run for coroner? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, you can. This might be your end. No, I don't want to. That's... <laughs> like, if you were to, if you were to look across all the counties in the United States, you would find incredibly and eloquently well qualified coroners, and I'm sure you could find just anybody who wanted the job, depending yeah. on where you looked. There. Uh, wow, that that is weird. First of all, I couldn't do that. I would I would cry and throw up. Every time I so like, so, what's the coroner's responsible so if he doesn't sad, know anything so about anything? They're just a person. Uh, they are primarily responsible for determining whether or not there will be an investigation. 
Oh. Uh, did this person die of a heart attack, or was this person uh, an accidental death? If so, uh, who's liable? Was it his fault? Was it someone else's fault? Or was this person murdered? So that's, I mean, that's, but they don't have to do any investigation. They just say, we, uh, they would, uh, they, well, then how can you just be in an elected position if you don't have any, did you say it was an elected position? It is an elected but position. But you don't need, like, John could just run for it. Uh, that's right. But, I mean, the coroner who runs uh, um, can hire staff. They have a staff budget. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, people think that, like, every coroner's office everywhere has a, a pathologist, which is someone who would, a uh, pathologist is someone who would do an autopsy to determine cause of death. Mm-hmm. But those people are insanely expensive. That's a regular doctor plus four more years uh, I mean, you're talking about someone who draws like a quarter of a million dollars a year in salary. A pathologist is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there isn't really one you can even hire uh, in this state. Generally, if you want it done, when it's not requested by law enforcement or a coroner, you have to mail the body to California. Wow. Dying's complicated. But simple. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> you either are or you aren't. It's not that complicated. Yeah, that's true. So, your body snatcher. But if you, yeah, sure, that's, that's a pejorative. It's the same we'll thing as a, grave, um, as a grave robber? No, entirely different. <laughs> entirely different. So, but, but, um, before I ridicule your job, uh, I want you to... You take your job very serious. It's, and it's, and it's kind of changed the way you look at death and dying, Correct. I don't think that anyone can do the job for any length of time and not have their perception of death and dying changed. So how how's it changed? So how long have you been at your position? Uh, over three years. Okay. And before, uh, were you doing something similar? I was no, I was not doing anything similar. I was the re- resource reclamation officer for a large contracting company. And the shorter answer to that is, if you're going to change the complete function of a building, let's say you're going to turn a grocery store into a hardware store. Sounds so boring. It is, it is boring, but we'll, we'll do quick. Uh, so you're going to have to rip out the inside of a building, and you're going to have to throw it away. Uh, a big building, like a, like a Albertsons or a DNC Supply, you'll have like a $35,000 dump bill. Uh, but if you can recycle and reuse and repurpose the things in there, you can make money instead of losing money. Oh, wow. So you can like slash your dump bill in by two-thirds just by recycling iron and copper and aluminum and various other things. So you did manual labor. Uh, I did do a lot of manual labor, and if I was, you know, true, truly in a company that was large enough where I was just the resource reclamation officer, which was telling other people to do manual labor, mm-hmm. I would have probably stayed in that position indefinitely. Yeah, so, gotcha. so why why did you want to do a career change at this point? Uh, because one of the reasons I just said, I mean, I didn't, I mean, that was my title, but I did an awful lot of manual labor because there wasn't always resources to be struck for profit. And so if there was something else to be done, then I was the guy who got shoved into that. And so you saw, like, ad Craigslist? No, I was actually... Body snatcher? No, no. I was at a wedding, and I asked a a woman I went to high school with what she was up to. And she said that she was in the funeral industry, and I was looking for anything else other than what I was doing. And I said, so are you you looking to hire anyone? And she said, yes, we are. Why don't you stop by? And it took me about two months of interviewing to secure the position. And uh, I... The rest is history. It's mostly on the job training for my position. Oh wow! I I, th- I thought you like went to school for this. And if you're going to be a funeral director, that's without being an embalmer, then you w- you would go to school for both. Uh, you don't have to be to be an embalmer. Uh, that's the equivalent of an associate's plus. It's almost the way to a bachelor's degree, uh, but then you also need I think two or three weeks of like wet lab work to under- wet and, lab. And, yeah, wet lab, and that's cadaver work, learning how to learning how to embalm. You have a wet lab. I know. Uh, so just a little, little backstory. Huckabee is a two-time college dropout? Yes, two-time college dropout. But also one of the uh, smartest people um, that I know. Well, you don't know that many people. That's not true. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of smart people, too. Um, so but getting back to my question, you've been at this job three years? Three years plus. And... What now? How has in the last three years? How has your view on death and dying changed because of the work you do? Uh, you 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 do see um, the impact it has and the different types of impact it has. I mean, you see people emotionally destroyed and emotionally distraught, and in in and everything from that to uh, it's just matter of fact. 
uh, we didn't like the guy, get him out of here, to this was the center of our entire universe and we don't know how we're going to move on. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is interesting to see the whole uh, gradient of humanity, how they react to various different types of, of people in their lives passing away. So from seeing these different reactions, does it kind of shape how you think you would react? Uh, I did, I did lose my father personally, and I, I was there during the removal, and, um... Was this, I, was I, this pre your job? This was, this was pre during my job, and when my father died, it was one of those instances that caused a glorious rebirth for everything surrounding him. So it was, it was a time of, of relief, and like, oh, okay, finally we can, the dog can get on the furniture, and, and the, the front lawn doesn't have to be dead, sort of thing. All right, enough about the serious questions. <laughs> so what happens when uh, a guy or girl dies watching pornography and you go to the house and the computer's like still showing pornography and the pants are still down? It, I, so is there still an erection? Is, uh, that, what do you do? See, there you go. Okay. Um, that would be an unattended death. And if, if a scenario like that... Okay, what's an un unintended death? You need the coroner. That's a... Right, that's the coroner's job. If, if there, if Oh, because it could be a murder to it set could, up it could, to look like a masturbation yes. heart attack. <laughs> there you go. It could be uh, an assassin who, yeah, it's a, it's just who, a pop quietly, who quietly poisoned someone and then, and then staged the scene to look like a they, masturbation heart attack. They put a popsicle stick under the shaft. Oh, yeah. That. So okay, continue. What happens? Uh, so that death. would be an unattended death, and in the, and an unattended death is someone who dies somewhere other than a hospital or a nursing home or in their own home, but under the care of a hospice nurse. Uh, so if you just die unexpectedly somewhere out in the world, even if even if you're surrounded by a bunch of people, even if you're surrounded by a bunch of people, that's unattended. It's unattended by a medical professional. Gotcha. Um, so the very first thing that happens is generally the body's discovered somehow and the police are called and the police will dispatch the coroner. Oh, okay. And the coroner will come and make the determination whether or not this was uh, an accident, natural, or foul play. And then they'll proceed thusly. Um, if it, uh, no matter what, in, in, in this region of the state, no matter what the situation is, uh, the funeral home is called for, a, fu a local funeral home is called for transport. Coroners here don't transport gotcha. their own bodies. So, but you didn't answer my question. Sorry. Like, does the boner still stay? I don't see. That's the thing. Like, the coroner would not let anyone see that. Why? They would. I because they are. What good, if it, what if it's a crime? Well, what if a crime would, has been committed? They would let themselves see it, and I'm sure the investigating officers, but before anyone like the funeral home is called, they would pull the gentleman's pants up or put him in a body bag. No one... Put him in a body bag. All right. put, All right. uh, but, you know, there, I mean, there are an abnormally large amount of people dying in front of computers, I, I would say. Have you seen... You, okay. And then... Um, okay, so that's good to know. So you you uh, you kind of somebody's protecting that that guy. Well, speaking of porn, do you hear? Do you see that that Wetmore or Bill Wetmore Facebook post about? I did about uh, the Japanese man who died under six tons of porn. How do you know? How do they know it was Japanese? It was, it was in Japan. Oh, I mean by weight, that's where most porn in the world is. Really? Oh, I'm sure. What? Uh, but how does that happen? Six thousand pounds of porn. No, twelve thousand pounds. Twelve thousand. Yeah, two two thousand pounds a ton. What? What? Like, did a pallet fall on him? Was it? No, a it was. It was stacked on every surface in his house, or his flat, and fell on him hmm. and crushed him. Crush. Do you think he died happy? Did he have a boner? Did he have a boner? I don't know. Well, if the coroner was here, he could tell us. In a, in a theoretically, better... the coroner could. The coroner would never tell you, but the coroner would know. But a better question is, what is this guy doing collecting 12,000 pounds of <laughs> magazines? Who does that these days? 50-year-old lonely man? I don't know. So, um... He for, didn't have high-speed Wi-Fi? Speaking of pornographic magazines, for Festivus this year, Huckabee was going to get me um, some magazines. Uh you have quite the collection of adult magazines, correct? You make it sound so much worse than it really is. 
uh, will change set the so, story straight. Yeah, it's your so opportunity. I've had, I, I had had a subscription to Playboy gifted to me by my father when I turned thirteen. Uh, that, had, that had run. I think we need to talk about your father a lot more. That had run uninterrupted it. for twenty years. Uh, before so I okay, it. so when uh, you turned thirteen in was 19... it on like auto billing on on your dad? Uh, yes, it was. Oh, you turned thirteen in nineteen ninety two, ninety three, yeah, right around. So ninety three to the end of the early two thousand. Right, and then I two thousand three. Eventually, two thousand three. Like, yeah, yeah, my. The internet was fast enough to go ahead and cancel Playboy. So there's some you had some really solid issues that really you, you had Pamela Anderson in the prime. Yes, I did, and that was uh, stolen by a guy who promised to give it back after I loaned it to him. And then, you, but then I really thought about it. Sticky like, why, pages. Why would you even want it back? It yeah, was in yeah. high school. It's like I just really want. Sure. To, I just really want to see Pamela Anderson topless. And Read like, the articles. You can do that a lot of places. Yeah, he wanted to dream Nor- Norman Mailer. Was and, I, uh, did I dream that Playboy is no longer Nudie Magazine? Correct. But they just, just but they, it, that's, so that's, it hurt that is their sales. True. They switched back. No, they did. Yes. So they went no nudes and now they're saying we're going to honor the legacy of our great father. Uh, it's being run by his daughter, Mr. Uh, Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner's daughter. Is Hugh Hefner dead? I don't, most of him, probably, but I think he doesn't some of him is still alive. He's still well, a coroner. Do you think a coroner will look at his, coroner will, evaluate his body when he dies i not necessarily i mean if he's if he's he's probably he's he's probably gonna have a boner then he'll end up on hospice care and the coroner will never look at hugh hefner's body have you ever seen a dead body with a boner i don't know if we've clarified are you asking no i i can guarantee you i have never seen one while i had a boner no 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 no. (laughs) okay have you (laughs) That's not true. You That's, never, that is a hundred percent true. You never had to strangle a homeless man to get an erection. <laughs> no, 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 I haven't. But have you seen a corpse <laughs> with an erection? No, I mean generally, I mean it's possible. I mean generally, there people wear pants while they before and after they die, so you don't really look for that sort of thing. Do people die in their homes more often than not, or a lot of people die at home because that's where. Mo- a lot of people spend most of their time, uh, but I would say eighty percent of my job is is going to the hospital or a, a nursing home facility and just uh, removing a person from the facility. It's it's very 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 cut and dry, very solemn, very boring most of the, most of the time. No, you're not cracking any jokes. Uh, no, you don't crack. I mean, maybe in the elevator with the other guy. Oh, do you? Oh, it's tandem. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pick up a body. Send two guys, but yeah. it's it's not about it's not about the, the deceased. It might be a joke about the hair one of the nurses had. Are you? Are, are, you, are you so, so insensitive? Are you so desensitized at this point you can like walk in eating a ham sandwich and like ah yeah look <laughs> yeah. at this old guy died in his rocking chair with his dick in his hand let's I get know. him out of here Carl and then you take a bite out of your hoagie. <laughs> I don't know. What I would do if you were any, um, yes and no. I mean, I'm not desensitized enough to do any of that in front of someone's family. I would never walk in and eat a sandwich while doing a removal. Um, but go ahead, Will. Have you ever got emotional at the job? Uh, yes. Uh, very rarely I will get emotional at the job. Uh, there was a person who passed away and their spouse was a clergy person and so were a couple of the other relatives who happened to be in the home when I went there to do the removal and the removal turned into a impromptu church service with uh, hymns being sung live and they offered me a book and I declined because I was sort of choking up at that point I mean it was a very beautiful moment and uh Many sermons were said, and prayers were issued, and and songs were sung. And so, yes, I did get a little emotional there. And, I, and if I tried to talk at the time, my voice would have probably cracked. And seeing that, so how do you, how how do you is there do you go through a training to deal with the bereaved, or like, uh, how, walk walk us through how you would deal with a distraught spouse or family member? Most of the time when you get there, people are just looking for someone to tell them what the next step is. People are confused. They don't know what's supposed to happen. And there's just a very short list of things that need to happen and just a very short 
series of questions you need to ask them. So they're, no one is ever happy to see you, but at the same time, they're happy, they're grateful for someone to guide them through the next step. You know, grandmother has passed away in her bedroom, and now, now what, in other words? Uh, so the funeral home will show up, and they will uh, guide them through that. And one of the questions we ask, you know, burial or cremation, uh, back in the day, it used to be a matter of course. In decades past, when, when someone was taken to the care of a funeral home, the question wasn't even asked uh, prior to large refrigeration units in funeral homes. Mm -hmm. Everyone was embalmed to preserve the body as a matter of course. Uh, that's no longer the case today. Uh, embalming is generally only, per only performed if there's going to be a large public viewing, mm -hmm. and, the, and people concerned with that want, and the, people, and the survivors of the deceased want them to look their absolute best. Um, but if it's just going to be a small family gathering for a quick viewing, uh, refrigeration is often sufficient. Um, I, have a, I have a question. So is there multiple funeral homes in Boise? Yes, many. So like, who, who do they call? Is it like you have a certain district, or is it like who's best friends with the, the coroner? Because I'm sure you can make money on this deal. Not necessarily, no. Um, so in my county where we work, uh, there's three prime in my town where I work. There's three primary funeral homes, and uh, they rotate uh, three months, rotating the coroner on an unattended death where the family isn't there to request a specific a specific funeral home. Mm -hmm. uh, then the coroner will just call funeral home A one month, funeral home B one month, funeral <clears throat> home C one month, and then it just rotates through. Oh. And it works very differently in other counties and states. That'd be like a race, like. No, 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 no. That's that you one. all get like a like a pager text and you're like, got to run out to the. No, that would be incredibly tasteless. Well, yeah, I don't, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> do you get? Do you ever have? Uh, is it a mortuary? Is that what you call it where you work? A mortuary, or is it... uh, you can call it a mortuary. You can call it a funeral home. Oh, you can call yeah. it a funeral parlor. Uh, do you guys have funeral home like rivalries? Like, is there like? Do you guys like drive by each other and? Send out like gang signs to each other, and like, that would make for an don't come on my fucking turf. That would make for an amazing sitcom, but no, that's <laughs> that's nothing really. Ha wait, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Do you have you um, participated in embalming stuff and like extruded so a brain to, through to, the nose and put them in a canister, put them in a clay jar? You are <laughs> confusing uh, an Ted? embalming with an autopsy, and we. The tomato, tomato. No, no, no. Very different things. So an embalming uh, is only making a tiny little incision about the length of your little finger. And that can be done either near the thigh or up by the neck. And we're just looking for the, the embalmer, which I am not. I have, I have observed. You have observed it. Yes, many times and assisted many times. But I do not perform embalmings. I'm not licensed to do that. Um, so... And embalming is very, very non-invasive. Tiny incision is made down by the femur or down or up by the, the neck for the carotid and the jugular. And uh, one is used to drain out the blood, and the other one is used to inject preservation chemical into the body. And then uh, there's one other tiny incision made close to the navel, uh, where a suction tube is placed to remove the person's last meal to prevent any further uh, decomposition. Really? Yes. Uh, quick question. So after the viewing, when they're when they're d done, do they take the embalming fluid out? No. The embalming fluid stays inside the body. Uh, I guess it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter quite a bit because most of, this, most of this stuff has a dye in it. As the blood drains out, it's replaced with uh, embalming fluid, a mixture of things. One of the primary focuses of it is to replace the color of the blood in the body, in all the capillaries. So if you just drained all the blood out of someone, they'd look unhealthily, ghostly pale. And so the embalming process adds color back in, as well as the cosmo when you cosmetize someone, you'll, you'll put something on called a tint, which is basically like a dye. And it's, it seeps into the skin and dyes it sort of a rosy peach, if you're doing a Caucasian person, or various other deeper reds for darker skin color. It's like when they dye uh, salmon, at the supermarket. Oh. Pink added to the fish. I'm unfamiliar with... They're embalming the fish. Yeah. That's how they get that color. I'm unfamiliar with that process. I wouldn't be surprised if it were entirely dissimilar. 
Oh, somebody you farted. Yeah, it smells <laughs> so bad. Whoa, that's your giant. So, awful uh, so it kind of smells like the wine a little bit. It smells more like the cheese. Yeah. So speaking of farting and gross stuff, um, so we're gonna, we're gonna pause here on questions, Akabe. We're it looks like we're at about the forty-four minute mark. Um, yeah. Uh, broken toilet. I want to talk about uh, broken toilets. Um, we're 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 coming up with a new segment this week called the Broken Toilet Award, and uh, the reason it's called the Broken Toilet Award is two weeks ago, uh, I and Will, we were up in McCall, Idaho, where we did a where we did our podcast with Mike Cron eight days ago, eight days ago, and um, Thursday night we're so we're up there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Thursday night uh, went to the Wayanchi Social. Came back to the bar, had played some dominoes, had a fantastic time with many of our friends. And um, Zach Bastion and I were hanging out, having some cocktails, and I I was completely overserved. I blame the bartender. Uh, just kept pouring me um, old fashions. Your favorite, your your favorite yes. bartender, uh, Tom Tommy Tommy. Park the car and Harvard Square, Tommy. I knew about Tommy before I even got there on Friday. Yeah, Tommy is great. Uh, so Tom, the bartender, known him for a long, long time. Anyways, a little tipsy. Get back to the room, and I have to defecate. It's just it, not not a rare occurrence by no, any means. I, I like to defecate. I'd, yeah, I did. Shit out some alcohol so I would sober up. <laughs> That's exactly how it works. His wife's a doctor too. And. Uh, so I went to the bathroom and then I got up and I was pulling up my britches and I stumbled backwards. So this is in the hotel room. I stumbled backwards. What time what time of the day is this? This is probably I don't know. Sometime between one AM and four AM <laughs> is probably right around one AM, I think. Yeah, you probably and, went right when you got back. And I stumble backwards and I fall with all my weight and force. It on back onto the toilet seat and slam into the tank of the toilet, and that makes kind of a smashing, cracking sound. And I look down in my incoherence and I see water like seeping onto the floor. And I get up, stand up, and I have cracked the tank of the toilet. And on the corner, a piece of uh, porcelain. porcelain is it porcelain? Yes. Whatever popped out and it is the bathroom is now flooding from the tank and it's pouring up and the 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 you, you know how you just like sober up sometimes like things happen to you yeah maybe you get arrested or uh maybe you get punched in the face or someone you, you have know, you have these 15 seconds of clarity yeah like the the adrenaline surge uh you know unbefuddles you for a second and that's what happened to me. I was like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. As this water just is gushing out, pouring onto the towel floor. I had enough awareness to, like, grab all the towels and, like, make a make a dike in front of the door. And it's containing the water, but I don't have my wits about me enough to turn the water off at the source. And the water is fucking it pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And so I sit there and I'm like, shit, 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 shit. I have my hands on top of my head. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? And I finally just have to like step over the, open the door and step over the barricade. And I have to go wake up my wife who has to be up at 7 a.m. Uh, for a conference to do some and work. So you had done this all so quiet that she hadn't even woken up. Correct. Well, I think she like, well, so the bathroom is around the way and then you have oh, to yeah, go through two, yeah, do- yeah. two doors. So it's kind of, it's sort of quiet. I'm sure she heard me like falling in there, but. So I, I like station, station. We have a problem. We have a problem. She goes in there. She's like, "What the bleep, bleep, bleep are you doing?" She's like furious. She bends down in inch and a half of water, turns off the water, and then spends the next twenty minutes wringing out towels into the uh, into the bathtub. And I'm at this point, I go back to incoherence. And I, I'm not really much of help. I try to help. She's like, get the fuck out of the way. Just get out of here. She's so frustrated with me. And uh, she spends about 25 minutes in the middle of the night having to be up early morning, wringing out towels and toilet water. 
in to the bathtub. Um, so I slept on the floor that night. Uh, I did get the toilet tank fixed. Cost you like a hundred bucks. Didn't charge me a goddamn <laughs> fucking penny. I think you're taking must, a lot of credit. For that must happen. That must happen a lot then. Yeah, or something. It must happen. Well, I like called, they just had I, one on so on, I called, on site on a Saturday. I called and I said I slipped getting out of the shower and fell and hit the toilet tank. You need to come fix this. And they came and fixed it. And the guy was in and out. The guy was like a toilet ninja, in and out in 15 minutes, fixed. So I was very very thankful for that. That's you fantastic. With the tone as to blame yeah. the layout of the bathroom yes, on the hotel. Yes, of course. <laughs> what 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 other recourse did I have? So four decades in, and you still get so drunk that you break the toilet in the bathroom of the nicest hotel in whatever town you happen to be in at the time. Do you foresee any time in your future where you will not do that? Sort of I thing? was overserved by Tom. We talked about this. All right. <laughs> Bartender's fault and the fault of the engineer who laid out the uh, the architect who laid out that bathroom. Thank you. You're on my level. Yeah. So, so that's the all, golden. That's all, <laughs> all the get all this to get to our new segment, the broken toilet award. So the broken toilet award is a segment we're going to try to do every week about a completely epic failure that we either have perpetrated ourselves or may have uh, witnessed. Yeah, and if you have a good one. Tell us. Yes. We'd love, send, we'd love to hear your, your broken toilet story. Send in your broken toilet story to uh, the Wetman podcast. Um, so, broken toilet award uh, nominees. Do you got any this week? Uh, I do have one. Uh, do you have one? I have, well, so I had you one. Several. I was in, dude, I thought that the guy that got killed by porn could have been a, yeah, that's broken, broken. a broken toilet award or is nominee. That like, or is that like, is that death by ecstasy? Is that the opposite of... No, is death that, by ecstasy is death by overdose on ecstasy. Do, but does that give you a boner when you die? Generally, people with high on ecstasy have a boner. What's, what's, what's the opposite of the Broken Toilet Award? The Ryan Gosling Beyonce Award? What's, what's so epic that it's opposite of Broken Toilet? Mm. I'm going with the Ryan Gosling. But Ryan, we, the we, Golden Gosling. The Golden Gosling. That, that's, that's it. You could have a little Gosling in spray paint of gold. The Golden Gosling. I board. just picture Ryan Gosling peeing on me. <laughs> that's that's a Golden Gosling. So much better. Which you know, sign and, me up. And you're the broken toilet at that point. Well, if I'm broken toilet. Did you just name a sex act after Ryan Gosling? Huh? <laughs> I hope so. Uh, Gold, so Golden Gosling. So you, yeah, the the uh, pornography guy would probably count. He'd be in a nominee, I think. Yeah, yeah, he'd be a nominee. Uh, um, who else had a bad week or the blunder? I had a. Do you have one? Right, I, I have one. I have one. Yeah, you go first. Okay, so I'm gonna nominate myself. Um, so last night I went and met my buddy um, for some beers at one of the local breweries, and you know, ended up going to bar, watching a great band, dancing my face off. Um, going to another bar, hanging out, got home like one, one thirty, not one. And I was hungry cause I hadn't ate since four. It's like, Oh, I should make some, some spaghetti. Bad idea at one thirty in the morning. Cause I put the water on, set a timer, boiled, put the pasta in, set a timer, fell asleep, woke up to, to a lot of smoke in the house a couple, an hour later. Did it? De- did all the water evaporate? It was just like burning. It was just burning the pasta on the oh, bottom God. of the pan. Dude, you're fucking lucky. You pulled a Manchester by the sea. Yeah, and I had that moment of clarity. I was like, oh my God, I'm. I gotta fix this right now, and it, you know, get, took care of it and went back to bed. Your house still fucking reeks. Like I smoke. know, I know. And now it reeks like smoke and fart and cheese. <laughs> well, so that was so last night was night one with the wife gone. So. It's not looking good. Almost burned the place down. Almost burned the house down. It's going to be a meth lab by Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Can you nominate people posthumously? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So yeah, that I was. Harley, knock it off. Um. Yeah. Uh, I. Uh, I was. That was. That was silly. Broken toilet. Um. Do you have a nominee you'd like to bring oh, up? Sure. Posthumously, uh, my father's failure to celebrate the Fourth of July. Uh, one boring Fourth of July, my entire family was home at my parents' house. Marley, shush. And in my in my father's later years, he had developed a he was always uh, had a terrible sense of judgment, but he developed a dementia. It would come and go, which was a lot of fun. Um, 
So he took his, you know, at, when, when darkness came upon the earth, he took his collection of World War II firearms out into the back garden and stacked up a couple ancient hay bales that wouldn't stop a slingshot pellet and fired off like 120 rounds, threw them into the neighbors, I mean, <laughs> through the hail bale, through the, through the bays, bales of hail, through the <laughs> hay bales, through the fence and into the neighbor's property. Yes. At, straight at their house. Oh my God, your and, dad's crazy. But just so happened there was this awful junker car from the 70s sitting between the house and the right and the barrel of the rifle so like 100 120 rounds i think we can i picked up all the brass for this after he walked in and told us what he did oh you know it's great you can shoot off all the rounds you want at the fourth of july no one will ever call the cops and they won't know ha. like he got away with something and i, I what, what what caliber uh he had an m1 garand which is basically a 30-06 and the, <laughs> most of the rounds were a 30 caliber carbine which looks like a really long nine millimeter sure and, and so for the for our friends that aren't that's me aficionados no. i mean that would uh i mean you could kill an elk yes you could, absolutely you could, ki- you could fucking kill they're, something. they're weapons of war they're man yes. killers they're going so i i took the flashlight and went over the fence and i you know the the fence is swiss cheese and still is to this day you can see the holes and the car is full of holes <laughs> on our side and i went around to the other side there are no holes coming out but on the side where the bullet struck there are not as many holes as there should be. There are like ricochet strikes. Oh so these like bullets went God knows where in the neighborhood. And I to this I kept And the Huckabay the Huckabay clan did not live out in the it's not like you Oh no, out. we're in we're in the heart of like yes. suburbia, you know, just yeah. regular houses Close neighborhood. Close to downtown Nampa. Right. That's wild. And so, you know, that was the last day he had actually access to any firearms, except the little twenty two pistol that he slept with and carried in his like belt buckle above his wiener uh so but we took that to a gunsmith and had the gunpowder replaced with sand so it would sound and feel right and so he carried that with him and slept on it till the day he died um but yeah so that was that's the broken toilet award for failing to celebrate the fourth of july properly rest in peace frank huckabay frank huckabay frank earl frank earl huckabay frank earl huckabay that is there has there been a book written about this man yet Uh, he he tried to write a book about his childhood Whose, whose father, his father, I never met, died early, was even crazier than him, apparently. So this, we're going to we're gonna have Huckabee back on um, because your father um, shot two people in cold blood, correct? Uh, no, not in cold blood. Shot uh, them dead. Warm blood. Uh, in, in, a, in a, it was a crime of passion. So in hot blood. In hot blood, very hot blood. Right. Does, so, so did that guy die with an erection, do you think? Uh it's certainly possible. Okay. Certainly wow. possible. We'll that revisit that. So what, uh, Broken Toilet Award? Yeah, or... so mine is not on the Frank Huckabee level, but so I was at a, a two-year-old birthday today at Jump Time, uh, and Jump Time is a place where they just have a bunch of trampolines and you'd like jump around and try not to break your leg. Uh. And I was jumping around, and just like I did about five minutes ago, I farted, except I sharted. I shook a turd out of, out of my ass and into my underwear. It wasn't a turd. It was just more of a, oh, shit. It was like you spit on something yeah, when you were talking? no pun intended. Yeah, it was just like, it was like oh, God. So I immediately... Like, <laughs> was, it a, was it a pant burner? It, yeah, it was a pant burner, and I had to, like, stop jumping and sort of, like, hopped, hopped around off the trampolines and went to the bathroom. <laughs> How many people noticed? And there's one fucking no one noticed. Uh, there's a million kids everywhere, and there's one fucking stupid co-ed bathroom in this place. And every I'm in there, and so I proceed to just have diarrhea all over the toilet and in the toilet. And then every 45 seconds, like a little fucking rascal comes up and is jiggling the handle to get into the bathroom. It just like you know, fucking it sucked. So that's but you, the pants were salvageable. No, his pants are salvageable. There's a little bit in the underwear, but you know nothing. Nothing. No, it's just not, it wasn't. You had to burn them. Didn't have to burn them. Didn't have to take them off. I um I cleaned them up. Have you showered since? I have not showered since, and I have no intention why? of showering. Why since. wouldn't you shower since? Well, because why would I shower? Because I, I assume there's like crusties involved. No, I wiped my ass. <laughs> It's just, that, I did change my underwear, which oh, okay. I mean, well, all right, well, change my, well, I mean, come on, guys. Well, yeah, that's my next question. So that's, that's my broken toilet award of the week. 
Okay. Well, what else? Is there anything else? Any any closing comments, statements? Uh, no. Just uh, it's been a good weekend. Go. It's been a great weekend. It's going to get greater. I'm going to go bottle some wine tomorrow. And and yeah. Uh, what are you doing tomorrow, Huckabay? I don't know. My wife is at work, so I have the entire day free. What? And I have a, I have a serious addiction to electronic games, so I'll probably like lock myself away and not talk to another human being. Perfect. Uh, I think I might go coughing if the weather holds. All right. America, well, be good. Yeah. Send us your send us your comments. Send us your comments. Send us your questions. Drink burgundy wine. Oh yeah, how do you pronounce that? Uh, burgundy, bo- uh, Bourgeonnais. And then what's the solid? It's other pronounced stuff? pretentiousness. Bourgeonnais, coats, coats de nuts, nuts. <laughs> coat, uh, de nuts. Coat de nuts. How do you how do you say it? Co- coat de nuit. Coat de nuit. Yeah, very French. Hit us up the Wetman Podcast. On Twitter, hit us up at wetmon at gmail.com. Questions, comments, concerns. I think it's wetmonpodcast at gmail.com. Wetmonpodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, that's it. Marley, take us out. <laughs> <laughs>